Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. That's Brad Avery from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Heading into the 50 most relevant players, from my opinion anyway, for 2019. Landing today at the number 44 position is a Sydney Swan defender. In terms of his position... But there's plenty of talk this preseason that perhaps it is the year of Callum Mills moving into the midfield. He is a young star of the game, and there is an opportunity and a need for him to step into the midfield to help talk everything Callum Mills, his relevancy, where he's going to land in a draft, and some thoughts from another fellow coaches panelist. I got Ben on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well. Looking forward to speaking about Callum Mills. I, I own him in a keeper league, so always excited to um, talk about my boy. Well, which, it's just handy, too, because you've got that kind of perspective of rating them highly as a junior, which Callum certainly was, but also there can be that sense of frustration for a keeper owner, maybe correctly, maybe a, a little bit too advanced, um, where it's like, no, I've got an invested interest in this player. I know how good they are. I know what I should be expecting. And coaches really are, both in keeper leagues, seasonal drafts, and across all your salary cap formats, very expectant of what this young kid can do. His best score this previous season gone was against the GWS Giants in both formats of the game. It was a 105 in Supercoach and a 97 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Awkwardly priced really across all of your formats, and that's something, Ben, that I think when you look at him in contrast to others priced 10, 15, 20 points beneath, I think the thing with Callum Mills is we're seeing a little bit of a pattern with Jacob Hopper the day before, is players that are around this sort of 80 marker, you're expecting premium numbers out of them, top 10 averaging or there and thereabouts. Otherwise, it's probably a, a little bit of a failed selection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in 2019, you were selecting Callum Mills. If, if you're going to pick him in a Dream Team, Fantasy or Super Coach, you're selecting him to be a keeper. Um, and if we're, we're looking at a keeper in, in, say, Dream Team, for instance, we're looking at essentially a 90 average. Yeah. And even, you know, potentially you want a couple of points up from that. So, yeah, he's he's the type of guy that's about 20 points, 15 to 20 points below where we want him to be. Um, but, yeah, you can't be selecting him for a cash, uh, for an advance in the cash. You can't be selecting him as a an upgrade somewhere down the line. You're, you're selecting him to be there come round 23 on field. Yeah, no, it's so true. As a junior, though, he was by many draft scouts, kind of the most complete midfielder in the draft. And if it wasn't for injuries, look, he went early anyway uh, due to the Next Generation Academy selection. Um, but if it wasn't there, he, he was probably him and maybe Hopper, you know, like one of the best midfielders in that draft. And he's, I remember as a bottom major, you know, as a, in a Swans reserve game, he picked up 40 disposals in the kneeful. I know the, the quality of that competition isn't that of, say, a VFL, a Sandful or a Waffle, but still, to be 16, 17 years old, competing against men, getting 40 disposals, using that big-bodied frame that he had even then, you know, is really impressive. What put him on most fantasy coaches' radar was his debut season. He was probably one of, if not the best, cash cows we had that year. He ended up going on and winning the Rising Star Award. 2016, 
He averaged 72 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, played every game, 77 in Supercoach. Not bad for a guy that was used predominantly as a midfielder in his junior days, but was used almost exclusively off half-back. I think what excited me, Ben, the most was those final nine games of the year. We started to scratch a little bit of his potential. And during those final nine games of his debut season, he averaged 85.4 in Dream Team and Fantasy, didn't drop, drop his scores below 73, while during that same nine-game stretch in Supercoach, 87.5 was his average, a lowest of 74, hit the 100 mark a, a couple of times through there. This is off half-back. What could he do if he's released in a different position? That is the question. Absolutely. I mean, um, just on his junior numbers as well, I was just uh, doing a little bit of um, prior reading on him. Um, and he's in, in um, the under 16 championships. He yeah. averaged 175 super coach oh. across just the three games. Um, that was 28 touches a game which is almost unheard of because they're, they're short in matches in the under-16 yeah. championships. Um, in the under-18s, is a little bit lower than that, um, but he was still racking up his 21 touches a game. So we're, And we begin to, to see in those, those nine games you speak of, you know, he's, he's showing a real dependency, a real um, consistency of performance. And we've kind of seen that throughout his first three seasons. Of, um, of football, even though last season, of course, was injury interrupted, but it's been very rare that he's had a poor game. Um, do notice in the, the second year that he played, he actually uh, got injured against Melbourne in round 15 and scored a one. So his, his average is a little bit more like mid-70s rather yeah. than high 60s. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's just a guy that obviously never played halfback coming into, into the professional scene. And immediately was a, a pig in mud, just absolutely found, it, found the going what appears to be relatively easily. And so we can only imagine what he can possibly do in his preferred role in a role that really lends itself to his, um, his skill set, which above all else is his, his aerobic capacity, his ability to, to run all day. So look, it's, it's very exciting. The, the question becomes, what is the likelihood of him playing as a full-time midfielder in 2019? And that's the question. And that's why he's in the 50 most relevant, because at his price point and his average point, as we've already alluded to the fact, is if he doesn't push into that top 10, um, it, it really could be considered a, a wasted selection. And while the stats don't quite indicate that a huge fantasy breakout is on the cards, I think the fact uh, of two things. One, the departure of Dan Hanabry, and two, the need for some new dynamics to come into that Sydney midfield. For so long, they were Hanabry, Parker, and Kennedy dependent. Now, no Hanabry. Kennedy just showed glimpses of moments of decline last year. Still a, a phenomenal footballer and will be for years to come. But I think I can see Callum Mills and the need for Callum Mills to come into that midfield group because Heaney's already very much a part of it. Maybe he could pick up an extra couple of rotations or two. But I think Mills is a part of adding to the future of that Sydney midfield. Along with Heaney, along with Parker, that's a great big three Sydney midfield for the next eight to ten years. Yeah, you'd think so. And and just on Heaney as well, because it, it is an important point, he's the name that immediately came to my head and I'm, I'm sure all the listeners as well, is Heaney's um, very much required up forward in a lot of instances uh, for the 2019 season because 
obviously Lance Franklin is the guy that they're looking forward to, but short of him, they, they really do struggle for targets that can actually win the ball at ground level as well. Mm. Um, Henny is superb in that role. So I, I don't think that we're really going to see, at least in the short term, Heaney play exclusively as a midfielder. Similar to Luke Parker, I think they're, all, they're always going to have uh, large stints forward. Um, Mills is a little bit different, obviously. He's, he's shown that he's capable down back. And I, I just think that, look, the, the term stale is possibly a little bit too harsh because yeah. Sydney were still very competitive last year. Um, but they, they possibly just want to inject a little bit more youth into there. And obviously a guy like Callum, he's, um, he really has bided his time and he, he is much loved from um, all the reports you hear about Sydney and the, the culture that um, he brings to the to the club. So, look, at the end of the day, I know he wants to be a midfielder. He's, he's stated that on numerous occasions. Yeah. And you feel like it's just a matter of time before it does eventuate. And, look, I I think it's um, going to be very, very desirable to own him when he does get that new role, whether it happens this year or whether it happens in 12 months' time. But... With the departure of Hanabry, you think it might be more likely this time around? Well, there's the opportunity there, and, and that's the thing, because sometimes we can make these speculations. We've done it already in the 50 most relevant. No doubt we'll do it again over the next 40-odd players that have come. Uh, the thing with it is there is an opportunity that presents itself, and while he's not a carbon copy of Dan Hanabry, and really Sydney don't need that, he does have many of the same qualities of Dan, has some weaknesses in contrast and has some strengths in, in contrast to Hanabry as well. But I can really see, as you've mentioned, that Sydney midfield for them to go again, that's really been the strength of their side. They've been very buddy dominant. They've had some real warriors through their back line over the past couple of years. If they're to go again, um, and I think while they've got Franklin, while they've got Kennedy, while they've got some of these just absolute incredible generational players in, in Franklin anyway, it's worth going again. And I think for their midfield to get better, it requires Callum Mills to go in there. You've said he's stated that countless times. He's fine-tuned some of those kind of little rough patches of his game. He's fine-tuned them now um, as a halfback. I can really see him pushing higher up to the ground. But it is, like many things in the preseason, you want to see it in the JLT to give you that confidence, don't you? You do, you do. It's, it really isn't the be-all and end-all to me because there is obviously a lot of uh, different and odd things that are going on in the GLT, JLT that won't really eventuate yeah. come the regular season. So we'd always have to be mindful of that. And I'm sure there's going to be someone that, absolutely uh, goes bananas in the JLT. We all jump on and, and uh, it proves to be a, a poor selection, but you know that's that's the way it is. But I think with, with Callum, we probably need to see a little bit more midfield time, but as, um, possibly even more importantly, we, we might need to hear it from John Longmire yeah. saying that Callum Mills is going to be a midfielder this year. If I, if I hear that, I'm not too concerned about the JLT. Um, of course... Coaches have in the past uh, told us fibs. So, <laughs> oh, never. <that's>, never. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, if, if I do hear that from him, then I'm going to be a little bit more um, excited because at the end of the day, the, the other um, issue just with the JLT is because there are so many different uh, permutations and because the squad isn't the regular 22, yeah. he may play a full midfield game, but that's, that may be purely just to increase his fitness. Yeah, exactly. And it might not be representative of um, him actually where he's going to play. So 
just keep that in mind. But uh, at the same time, obviously, if he, he is playing in a role we like in um, the JLT, it might be time to get a little bit excited. Look, even to you know the start of last season when he was playing off halfback, two of his opening three games across all formats, he went 90-plus. So he's got the capacity to score well enough to be a premium defender, even if he only gets a small amount of midfield increase. And that's why, for me, he makes the 50 most relevant. Because if he does um, transition into some substantial midfield minutes... You can see that growth of, you know, 15 points per game comfortably. Um, maybe more if it's more midfield time. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, but like you said, you want to hear it out of the mouth of the coach to give you that full confidence to go there. But I think given what he's done from halfback, given what we've seen him be able to do in his junior days, I'm really excited at the potential of Callum Mills and what he may be able to deliver for us in 2019. When it comes to drafts, though, this is the interesting one, Ben. Because, it, again, it's there's always a bullish coach on someone on a breakout in every draft. Um, but depending on when you hold your draft, the scenarios that happen around that, um, how many people, you know, all those variations that can happen in your draft... I can see a real massive range of where he goes. If he plays a couple of midfield games in the JLT and your your seasonal draft is just a week or two after that before the season starts, then I can see people jumping crazy early on him and picking him up as a D2 and feeling confident about that. Equally, I can see him kind of sliding back a little bit in terms of how people rank him because he's currently ranked within the range of around that 40th defender, depending on the format you play. However, his return on investment could see him anywhere from a, a small boost with just, you know, normal kind of growth on him, um, right up to playing inside the top 30, 20, top 10. Absolutely. It's a, it's going to be a very interesting thing to see where he does go each, um, for each and every draft. Of course, the, the Keeper League ones are even a, a little bit more exciting um, from my personal perspective. Yeah. But I think... I think with him, you'd be very happy with him as a D, D3, I yeah. think. I think if you could um, get him as a D3, that's where you'd want it. Yeah, yeah. D2 is still pushing it a little bit because like, I can see, I can definitely see circumstances where he goes, say, I think it's it's likely if he plays a full season in the same role as we've seen in his previous three, he, he might go something like high 70s. Yeah. Uh, this is for a dream team and ultimate footy uh, perspective. Um, and of course, if he if he gets that uh, midfield role, then the sky is potentially the limit. Yeah. But you want to sort of be planning for the worst case scenario. So I wouldn't be totally comfortable with him at D2, even if I did see um, a great role in the yeah. preseason. But but having said that, you know, you've got some mad Sydney supporters out there that might just think, you know what, I'm going to jump on this guy early. And, and look, to be honest with you, I, I don't think that it's the worst call I've, I've ever seen if he, if he is D2. But um, I feel more comfortable at D3 and you'd be very, very happy at D4. Yeah, I think so. I think if you're going D2, you're probably jumping a bit early or you've gone really light on in your backs and, you, and you're stocking some other lines up. Um, and even then, I'd feel a little bit nervous about that. But it's certainly, there's massive scoring potential. In, and in a keeper league, I think he's really hard to pry out of coaches' hands that have him. Um, def- while I don't think he'll keep defensive status forever, he he's one of those really sexy picks uh, that people want to have and want to keep. And they invested probably the number one pick on when they originally drafted him in a keeper league. So in an existing one, 
gosh, you are going to have to pay overs what he's likely going to deliver this year um, because his name value and the potential value is very, very big in the eyes of a current holder. Absolutely. It's it's very high. It's um, He also hasn't made it yet, so yeah. he hasn't delivered what we, what we all hoped. So I feel like uh, coaches that own him currently or me personally, for instance, I'm unwilling to move because I don't feel that I'm going to get value representative of where I feel he may be in 12 or 24 months' time. Yeah. Um, so that's something you got to weigh up. But it would be very interesting to see if you, you had a keeper league draft today where he would where he would land. And um, I don't have a, a firm grasp on that, but do you have any sort of inkling on that one, MJ? Oh, there's always so many different variations when it comes to a new keeper league. There's always that one guy that wants to win it right now. So he picks the old blokes. There's someone that only ever wants the kids. And then there's others that are kind of approach it like a seasonal draft. Um, for me, I, again, I'd be happy if I was landing in a keeper league as my second or third defender. Um, but but definitely not any higher than that. Um, but I, I think long-term, he's going to be one of the best fantasy players going around. So if someone said to me they picked Callum Mills inside the top 50, okay, for the first year or two, that might not be the greatest of selections. But if you're having a three to five, eight-year kind of viewpoint in terms of how you build your list, then maybe it's not the worst pickup, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, similar thoughts. I think... Uh be very exciting to watch his career unfold. Uh, Sydney's definitely got a gem here. Yeah, no doubt about that. The Next Generation Academy has looked after the Swans just nicely. Hey, mate, appreciate your thoughts on Callum Mills. No, thank you, mate. It's uh, been fantastic to talk about him. If you want to go and check out the article on Callum Mills or any of the other players so far revealed in the 50 Most Relevant, coachespanel.tv is where you can check that out. You can also grab the podcast episode landing every day via Spotify and iTunes. Subscribe so you get them straight to your device as soon as you're notified. And if you want to join our Patreon and help support the Coaches Panel and get some early access to these podcasts, all the details are at coachespanel.tv. TV. An incredible favorite player of mine in the AFL is up at number 43. The thing is, I've got about 85 favorite players, so good luck guessing him.